well, what seemed like a what would be Jordan Love era, or at least a preview, or the Tim Boyle Laser Show is now the most anticipated matchup of the year. Packers versus Bears Week 17. We here at Underage Packers are ready to preview uh, that game as well as all the big stuff that happened this week. Uh, Today. Hey, good. Let's keep it under 25 minutes, all right? Oh, somebody's been on Twitter. Um, hey. Joining me today, I'm Joey. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JoeyGPG. But joining me today are two people who need no introduction. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and introduce them anyways. Let's start off with Big B right here. How are you doing today, Big B? Classic intro. That, I'm never, never doing that again. But <laughs> well. well, you know, we're on episode 52. No reason to change it now. So, uh, Big B, I'm glad to have you back here. Uh, and hopefully we can have... Uh, Four more episodes here in the playoffs. And uh, joining us as a special guest today for the second time in our show series. He joined us uh, with a different title to our show. But joining us again today today is the one and only Tom Grossi. How are you doing, Tom? That's me. Hey, what's going on? Good to see you. Thanks. Good That's to see me. you, too. Uh, you know, I, I, I think many fans are concerned. Are you using, like, dial-up internet right now? How is it? How's the internet going? Yeah, the uh, this is coming to you. Uh, not even 20 minutes after the Verizon Fios man had to climb up a pole and wow. not even in a, in a sexual way, had to go up a pole. Uh, and apparently the only issue was, was that like the wind must have like knocked a screw like a tiny bit loose and he literally uh-huh. just went, wow. and that was it. So a week without internet, I could have climbed the pole. And just, but no, yeah, but we're back. We're Spons back and better than ever. It's so nice to be able to actually access the internet from my own home again, because that was severely lacking over the past week so yes yeah. i'm very happy now uh verizon we're always hoping for a sponsor uh but a lot of a lot of big stuff a lot of good stuff uh, some bad stuff happened in Packerland this week we're gonna take a look at all that so let's start off going in chronological order of the week uh damon snacks harrison here now this was i'm sure tom you can recount all the comments all the tweets you got all off season, pretty much since April. Oh yes, of uh, signed snacks. We want snacks. Um, you know, not as much as a first round wide receiver, but a lot of people were uh, <laughs> uh, complaining, or not necessarily complaining, but earing. No complaining. Or, you, you had it right the first time. No, I was complaining. Yeah, <laughs> complaining that uh, Packers weren't making a move here. So it's a big move here for Kenny Clark, uh, and I think it's a big improvement. Now, uh, me and Big B were talking about this, and the biggest thing, Tyler Lancaster. You know, we love him. Tyler, we love you. But it really Buddy. looks like Brian Goodkins uh, f- flew around in Mo- Montana in a private jet. He went to the local barbecue there in some 10,000 populated town in Montana. He found uh, some guy eating a barbecue sandwich, and that was Tyler Lancaster. And that's how he found his uh, new defensive end. Uh, but this is really big, Tom. Do you see – because that 2010 team, a lot of people are comparing this signing to Howard Green. Uh, defense tackle the Packers signed down the stretch in their 2010 playoff run. Mm. Uh, they had Colin Jenkins there, but how much do you think this frees up for Kenny Clark and that whole defensive line down the stretch? Yeah. I mean, like there are some, I mean, there were concerns even during the off season about yeah. potentially signing snacks. I mean, like, obviously, you know, he's in the twilight of his career. I wouldn't be surprised if like these next four games, cause obviously we're going to win the Super Bowl. These next four games are his last four games in the NFL. Um, I would not be surprised about that at all. And the concern that I had in the offseason was that, like, he flat out wanted out of Detroit. And I think a lot of people assumed, and somewhat rightfully so, that Detroit is just like a hellscape and no one wants to be there, which just makes sense. Mm -hmm. But the idea was like, okay, he just wants out of Detroit. 
he then like, you know, goes to the whole saga of like, is he going to pick Green Bay or is he going to go to Seattle? Goes to Seattle. And then when they interview Pete Carroll, like he just assumed that Snacks was done. Like he was not going to play football anymore. You know, there was the confusion over the tweets of saying like, oh, you know, I don't want to go through the waiver process and, and that whole thing. So I, I am, I was a little concerned about like the, the motivation, if you were going to be able to get a guy who like really wanted to be there, what have yeah. you. However, putting all of that to the side, I think what you're getting is an experienced player, a rotational guy. The guy's going to play like what, maybe 20 snaps, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be a rotational guy, but it's so Kenny Clark doesn't need to be in the same exact position the entire time. Um, I think it's only going to help. Uh, yeah. And if you have one more guy who's just in the way in terms of a, uh, a run blocker, I think it's a good thing. And I think you could also motivate snacks to win four games. Right. And it's like, yeah. Hey buddy, four games. And you actually get to win a super bowl. So like, go out and do it. So I think that there's definitely a lot more positives than negatives. And to compare it to 2010, I definitely could see some of the reflections of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm very curious to see though if, on Sunday, if he does wind up playing, if he's on a limited snap count, what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that will be a good first test against David Montgomery. Who's been playing some pretty good football. You know, the biggest thing about this now is Packers defense line with that added 268 pounds. They probably can't get on an elevator together anymore. Um, But Big B, that veteran leadership, like Tom mentioned, this is a really young defense. How much, uh, especially going into the playoffs, this defense who, I mean, rookies in 2018, this are only our first or it's going to be our second time making the playoffs in the last four years. Uh, How much do you think that veteran experience comes in and helps the Packers? Well, you know, I think it helps a lot. As much veteran leadership as you can possibly get on your team, I think helps a lot, especially with all the young talent you have back there, especially Tyler Lancaster. Like, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of leaders on this team and David Bakhtiari fell down, uh, but you know, you have Mercedes Lewis and on the defense, you have Zadarius Smith. You have a lot of uh, strong voice opinion guys in the locker room, but you don't have a veteran um, that like Kenny Clark mentioned in his press conference this week, a veteran that can teach that defensive line some exciting stuff um, and hopefully help them uh, make some big plays here down the stretch. So let's talk about the, the leader I just mentioned, David Bakhtiari. Now, uh, nobody wants to talk about it, but uh, we kind of have to here. So I look, I think the biggest thing about this, and I can never focus on the actual news. All I focus on is the overreaction on Twitter. Uh, you know, the biggest thing is, oh, our, there go our playoff chances. But without David Bakhtiari, I still think this is a really strong offensive line. Not everybody in the NFC playoff race had David Bakhtiari. And the Packers probably still have a better offensive line than most NFC teams. Um, so, Tom, do you think we'll get to a little bit who necessarily replaces that left tackle position? Uh, but do you think this is an offensive line that the Packers can still depend on? Yeah, I mean, the, the amount of doom and gloom that sprung up in my inbox when he went down, I was waiting in a sushi restaurant to pick up food on New Year's Eve <laughs> and like my phone just explodes. And I mm-hmm. look up and I'm like, oh crap. And throughout the entire, not only oh crap, because now I have to go record a video without internet again, but two of like, oh crap, like this is a big loss. And just the amount of well, there go our Super Bowl chances. Well, we're done in the playoffs. Oh, we're going to lose to the Bears. Oh, here comes Khalil Mack. Like, mm-hmm. it was infuriating. <laughs> and and listen, and I understand the reaction, and I understand people being upset about it, because David Bakhtiari having an all-pro year, obviously we just re-signed him 
to like a gajillion dollars, right? He's being paid, I think, was it $33 million a year? He's the highest paid offensive tackle in NFL history, offensive lineman in NFL history, beating out Tunsil. And I think that, you know, to lose him and to lose him in practice, I think hurts a little bit more too. You know, not that it wouldn't have hurt in a game, but like, you're just like, oh, that's that's somehow even worse. Like, it was like Jordy from a few years ago, like when he, mm-hmm. and he got hurt in the preseason, was out for the year. And you're like, okay, yeah, everything hurts and life is pain. But I think to answer your question is a hundred percent because if you want to just look, you can look at this year. I mean, like he was out for three games. We went two and one. We only allowed two sacks. And like, listen, to be fair, you were up when against the Texans, right? You went up against the Vikings, which we lost that game, but we didn't lose the game because of a lack of David Bakhtiari and the 49ers who, while they do have some people out, they still have a decent pass rush. Mm-hmm. So I think that the, the caliber of opponent that you're about to face in the playoffs is different. It is different from yeah. the Texans. It is different from the Vikings. It is different from the 49ers. However, you know, the Packers have been strong. I would say this probably the, the majority of the year, give or take a game or two, like the game against Carolina, they weren't that great um, in terms of offensive line, in terms mm-hmm. of keeping Aaron Rodgers upright. And you talk about guys like Elton Jenkins or Billy Turner or Ricky Wagner, who have all put in good years. Obviously, having Corey Lindsley back from IR is huge because then you don't have to worry about a center position being out. So absolutely, I think that is. And I think that this Sunday in particular is important because you are going up against a very good Bears defense. You are going up against a Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks. You're going up against them. And if the Packers, and this is my honest opinion, if the Packers are able to hold the Bears and keep Aaron Rodgers upright, I think we could do that against any other defense we're going to see in the playoffs. You look at the Rams with Aaron Donald, right? That, that That's going to be like a big one that's going to stand out. The Buccaneers, we got swarmed by them before, but their defense really hasn't been looking that great since our game. And then you look at like the Seahawks, who I'm not really that afraid of. The Saints defense, I'm really not afraid of. So yeah, I think if we're able to do that against some of the best the best pass rushers in the league in the Bears, I'm, I'm okay. So I think Sunday is going to be a really, really good window into seeing how good they can be without David Bakhtiari. Mm-hmm. There's going to have to be a lot of adjustments made. Well, not necessarily a lot, but there's going to have to be some big adjustments made on that offensive line. Um, big B, who do you think is most important down this stretch without David Bakhtiari? Uh, like Tom said, the four-game stretch all the way to Tampa. Uh, is it you know a player that will be – all the offensive line players that will be moving around? Is it Matt LaFleur, how he responds and adjusts to it? Or is it uh, someone like Aaron Rodgers who now has to maybe get the ball out quicker and have another eye on that left side? Ooh. Um, probably, probably the player who steps mm-hmm. in. Um, I – I trust Elton Jenkins if he kicks out. Um, I trust Billy. I mean, he's had a phenomenal year yeah. compared to his previous year um, with the team. So I think I am. I trust our guys. I trust whoever's going to go out there, and hopefully yeah. that doesn't bite me in the ass. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of – I think – Looking at this offense line, there's a lot of versatile pieces, uh, whether it's Elton Jenkins who can play all five positions at all Pro Bowl level. Um, Billy Turner, who, like you mentioned, can play right guard, right tackle, left tackle. Um, Lucas Patrick, who has played both guard positions, center. Uh, John Runyon, who was really specifically drafted because of his versatility in college. Um, and I think that's going to be a big part on how they can respond, how well they can play that left tackle or uh, whatever holes they need to face uh, on that line. And I think Aaron Rodgers put it well that it's a lot of grieving, but you got to have a next man up mentality. And, uh, you know, that's what the Packers faced in their 2010 team. I mean, they had 16 injuries. 
uh, Tom, not to keep going back to that 2010 team, but it's uh, something you can clean on to and you want to compare every chance you get. Um, you know, me and Big B were learning uh, how to color and what the letter A was when the Packers last won a Super Bowl. So comparing that uh, team who had a lot of injuries, uh, how did they respond to that? How do you think uh, was, what was the biggest part in that? And uh, do you think the Packers can do that same thing? Yeah, I mean, the thing that highlighted the the Packers, if you just, I'm going to look on both sides of the balls, you look on defense, you know, it was the turnovers. Like that, obviously, like Nick Collins, Charles Woodson, God, they were so good. But like they they were like a bend, don't break defense. But they also were like crushing it in terms, of, I think they were number one in turnovers, I'm pretty sure. Um, but they, they were constantly getting the ball turned over. But the guy that stood out to me in that playoff run was James Starks, in which you had, you know, Ryan Grant, not around, right? James Starks comes in, and just like for that, that stretch crushes it, right? Mm-hmm. Does it against Philadelphia? He looks like, like, we're like, oh, who, who, who's number 44? Like, this is crazy. And I think that in, that's kind of what you need here, right? In which it's just not a running back position. It's the offensive line or specifically the left tackle position. And I think also what I am okay about is that the Green Bay Packers have shown throughout this year constantly that they can beat people either way. Aaron Rodgers... MVP this year, obviously. Devontae Adams, Offensive Player of the Year in contention easily. And then you look at guys like Aaron Jones, right, who has had a great year despite missing games. I think he's still fourth overall um, in rushing yards, if I'm not mistaken. Then you have, obviously, A.J. Dillon, who had a breakout game last year. And if we do wind up clinching home field advantage, you bet your butt you're going to see a whole lot more of A.J. Dillon. And then we get Jamal Williams back. So I think big B. So I think that all of these things combined, like it just sets up for okay, if Aaron Rodgers needs to get the ball out quicker, we also have a run game that we can rely on. Yeah. And you didn't really have that in 2010, except for James Starks near the very end for that playoff run. And I would argue tremendously that our rush attack is significantly better than yeah. it was for heading into the postseason for 2010. So while yes, David Bakhtiari being out absolutely hurts and it absolutely stings, especially for David. I think that the Green Bay Packers are more than capable of still finding success, whether that is going to be, listen, maybe you're just going to have to put another guy over there. Maybe you're going to have to put out like a big Bob Tunyon over there. Maybe an Alan Lazard is going to need to line up more on the left. Whatever you're going to do, because we have some great blocking receivers, either MVS too, it's going to get done. And whether it's going to be running down your throat or whether it's going to be Devontae Adams scoring on you, the Packers can get it done. Yeah, the big part of that 2010 run was those big players stepping up like James Starks, uh, you mentioned. So, Big B, I know I probably asked you this five times in the last 10 weeks, but who is that player in the playoffs that you see that will will turn the gas on and be that extra step? I think we saw A.J. Dillon last week who showed potential to open that window and be a big missing part for the Packers that he completes the key. Um, But is there a player you've seen that has been coming on especially well in these past few weeks that you think will be a big part of their playoff run? Well, I would say, you know, Tyler Lancaster. <laughs> um, I would like to see Tavon Austin. All right. I'm go- we're going all out here with my boy Tavon. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see him get action in the offense. All right. Yeah. I'm Give really it. excited for that. I mean, my Madden franchise, if Matt LaFleur wants to take anything from that, I've been using Tavon Austin a lot in a two back formation. Uh, just want to throw that advice out there. But last year, you know, we saw Tyler Urban in that divisional round against the Seahawks where 
all of a sudden you got this new player who's getting all these snaps in the offense or using them in so many certain ways. And I think that's going to be not, maybe it's not necessarily a player that the Packers um, that suddenly turns the gas on, but maybe it's a certain aspect of the offense that the Packers are able to uh, reignite or get going again. Uh, But let's focus here on this upcoming game this Sunday against Chicago tomorrow. Uh, Like I said at the start of this, now the most anticipated matchup, most important matchup of the year, the number one seed. Uh, Now, it's been so oversaturated, so talked about, but the Packers have never, well, the last time they had a first seed was 2011. Uh, You know, and luckily, it's not looking like we're going to have a situation like that. We're going to be starting Aaron Rodgers and not Matt Flynn this time around in Week 17. Uh, But Tom, with this upcoming with this upcoming game and the upcoming playoff matches, how important, even without the fans, would just home field advantage be for the Packers? Yeah, I talked about this a whole lot, and I think that I really stand by it. You look at the teams that are going to make the playoffs, right? So you have the Saints, you have the Seahawks, you have the Rams, maybe the Washington football team, if they win the East, who the hell knows who comes yeah. out of that crap. Uh, you have the Buccaneers, um, then you have, I think they said the Rams already, and then uh, either the Bears or the Cardinals. Yeah. And you look at those matchups and it completely changes if it's in Lambeau field. Right. And then like, can you imagine the saints coming to Lambeau field? Like it, it, that. And honestly, that's what I wanted last year. Like a lot of people yeah. were cheering for the Vikings to beat the saints. And I was like, no, no, no. Send Drew Brees up to Lambeau because it's a completely different game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I would love to see that the Seahawks always struggle in Lambeau. It, it always happens. Right. You even saw it last year too. Um, then you start looking at like the Buccaneers. Yes. Tom Brady has played in the cold before, but they're a warm weather team, right? Their defense hasn't been looking that great over the past few uh, weeks. So I am happy to see them. The Rams that might be like a little problematic because they're a little bit of a power run team. Um, their defense is also pretty damn good, but who knows what's going on with Jared Goff. I mean, I'll take a backup quarterback coming to Lambeau. I'm okay with that. A hundred percent. Or well, a Jared, Jared Goff, Goff would be a backup in a couple of years anyway. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Maybe even next year, but yeah, I mean like, you know, I think I'm okay with any of that. The Cardinals might pose a potential problem, but they're an inside team, you know, Kyler Murray coming off an injury, but he's a mobile quarterback. So I always am concerned about that. But like, honestly, I think that, if you are trying to put the Packers up against anybody, there's automatically an advantage if it's at Lambeau field that a lot of these teams do not have the experience in. They do not have the experience of playing out in the cold besides like the bears. The bears are actually a team that I'd be like, "Mm, I don't know if I want to play them a third time because they are the only ones who I would say are acclimated to that. So I, yeah, it, it makes a world of a difference playing in Lambeau fans, no fans. It really doesn't matter because you know, once you start getting out there and it's 20 degrees, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a whole different ball game. Even last week against the Titans, a big part of that was not only A.J. Dillon, Devontae Adams, but the snow. I mean, it, the weather, the, the yep. t- precipitation was a big part. I mean, it completely took away their explosive passing game with Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, uh, the legendary Ryan Tannehill. So, I mean, you know, Tom just went through all the teams that in their environments are playing in. But Big B, I mean, I, I would completely agree that the Saints with Drew Brees playing like an average quarterback at this point, uh, their defense is a big part. But, you know, they're not, uh, uh, they're you know, they're not used to playing in the snow, like you mentioned. Is there a matchup better than the Saints, even though they're probably going to be the number two seed? Do you think there's a matchup where you think the Packers could absolutely take advantage of them in a cold winter climate? Um, I'll go Saints, because why yeah. not, you know? got Drew Brees. I mean, that's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, if you can take away just one part of their offense, it's going to be huge. I mean, even Derrick Henry coming in here, Packers were able to generate turnovers. We're not going to be facing Derrick Henry uh, until maybe February. So, you know, if they even if they come with the Rams team here, uh, who knows if it's John Wolford, whatever his name is, or Jared Goff, take away that minimal passing game they have, and, you know, we'll see what they can do in the running game. Cold climate's going to be a big part for the Packers, and I'm so looking forward to hopefully – uh, first NFC championship game at Lambeau since 2007. And hopefully Rogers has some better overtime pass making decisions than Brett Favre did <laughs> um, specifically about the bears here. Now they're fighting for a playoff spot. They have a lot to play for um, big B I, you know, I'm not, I know you aren't studying the film of the bears. You're not watching the all 22. Uh, most people aren't doing that unless your name's Andy Herman. So with this Bears team, they've been much improved, obviously. However, they have faced bottom 10 defenses in their past three matches. What do you think is the biggest thing on their offense specifically? Because we all know what their defense can do. On their offense specifically, what do you think they can do different than week 11 it was uh, that could end up killing the Packers? End up killing the Packers. We'll run it more because, <laughs> you know, that was scary at the beginning of the game when yeah. Montgomery ran, what was it? 80 something yards on that mm -hmm. first drive. Um, because Montgomery has been playing great, like Grassy Boy said um yep. earlier. I just <laughs> Grassy Boy, I love it. Yeah, I just thought that alternative rap name right there. Yeah. Yeah, David Montgomery, uh Iowa State right there. So uh we'll see what he can do. And I think if the defense can stop Montgomery, take that away. Uh, I'm not scared of Money Mitch, who's getting a lot of hype in Chicago right now. Uh, but this defense, especially with the way this defense has been playing uh, this past two weeks here. Uh, Tom, do you think, I mean, is there any threat you see on the Bears offense? Um, I mean, you, know, you always have to watch out for Allen Robinson. But honestly, okay. the thing I'm concerned about is what you've seen ever since um, Nagy has kind of given up play calling. You've seen a lot more design runs for Mitch Trubisky, which I was even talking about last year, that that's exactly what they needed to do because mm -hmm. Mitch Trubisky has been forced to basically participate in this offense while not catering to his strengths. And you saw it last week. I think it was, it was the 45-yard touchdown by Ryan Tannehill who decided to just take off. Um, that's the only thing I, like, I'm slightly concerned about um, mm -hmm. is that if he is able to escape the pocket, they really kind of tested Preston Smith last week. Um, and Preston Smith rose to that occasion easily. Yeah. Um, but that's like him, a Kyler Murray. That would really be the only concern. Taysom Hill, if you really want to throw him in there too. Um, that would be like the only concern I have that you have a mobile quarterback who can beat you with their legs. And if it just yeah. is, give it to Dave Montgomery, design runs for Trubisky. I mean, that could be problematic. Um, yeah. And controlling the time of possession. I mean, like, here's the thing that I will say, you know, you go back and you look at some of the Packers losses this year. Um, you know, the, I'm going to ignore the Colts game for a second, but I'm going to talk about specifically like the Vikings game, that Vikings game where it was like some weird ass wind that was going on and the, and we never really were out of it. The offense just was flat as hell. Mm -hmm. They really haven't been flat since. Yeah. I mean, you had the Colts game in that second half, which was, which was bad, but last week against a playoff caliber football team, even though of course, now that the Packers beat them, everyone's like, Oh no, the Titans aren't good. Yeah. Um, we put together four quarters of really, really good football on both sides of the ball. If we play like we do on Sunday, there is not a single team in the NFC that could beat us. And that's just, that's just the truth. 
Exactly. So I, I think if we're able to put that together for four more games, then we're coming home with Lombardi. Yep. Like you said, four quarter football game. That's kind of what we've been looking for all two years of Matt LaFleur here to put it together a four quarter game of complimentary football. Uh, they did that. They were able to generate turnovers. And the biggest part for me in that Titans game was that moment when we saw them clap so many times where, you know, they had a 19, nothing lead that shriveled to 19 to 14. And instead of collapsing or going out flat, like you mentioned, they put up uh, another three plate 75 yard drive on the board, um, which was big B's drive of the game, uh, by the way. Uh, but big B, uh, I guess, you know, what is the key for the Packers? Uh, you know, they were able to put up points quickly on the Titans. What is the key for the Packers? Because, I mean, last year wasn't really prevalent outside of the NFC Championship game, unfortunately. Um, but what is the key for the Packers to not come out flat uh, and play a four-quarter football game with Matt LaFleur? Um, we're going to go all gas, no effing break. <laughs> exactly. The entire time. Like, that's all you got to do. Just Simple do that. as that. It's just simple, you know, it's literally that simple. Yeah, you know, we got it on a shirt. She's a TV has it. They just need to listen to the message. It really is that simple. I mean, put points on the board. Who cares what the defense does? Put 40 on in a quarter and uh, you should win the game at least. They've been able to do that with the Devontae Ames and Aaron Rodgers this year. And uh, let's talk a little bit more about Matt LaFleur here and then we'll probably wrap it up. Um, Matt LaFleur, a lot of coach of the year talk has been going around after he beat his former team last week. And I think the biggest thing that knocks him off is always, uh, oh, well, he has Aaron Rodgers talk. But I think the biggest thing you look at is 2018, uh, even the first 10 games of 2016, he wasn't playing even near uh, MVP level. So when Matt LaFleur came in here, I think you got to look at that and think, what Matt LaFleur obviously unlocked something in him. Um, is there a certain part in the offense time where Aaron Rodgers may be able to get the ball out more in rhythm or is wide receivers are being schemed more open? What is the biggest part of Matt LaFleur's offense specifically that has yeah. unlocked this new Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a mix of a lot of things. Cause you talk about the 2018 season and obviously Rodgers was hurt for like that entire season, you know? So mm -hmm. like you could point to that and be like, that's why he wasn't, you know, as, as Aaron-esque as we're, as we're used yeah. to. Um, but I think Matt LaFleur, the fact that he came in and literally took a, a, a losing team, like a team that did not make the playoffs mm -hmm. and 13 and three took him to the NFC championship game, even though, listen, I, I'll be the first to say it, we overachieved last year, a hundred percent. There's a lot of really, really close games, which we won. It's at the end of the day, you know, mm -hmm. win ugly all the way to the Super Bowl. That's fine. <laughs> but I think this year there are just a lot more statement games. And I think one of the biggest things, and I, I've talked about this a ton, is just the comfort that Rodgers has within that new scheme of not relying on McCarthy's old play calls and not being the one who has to do everything. On top of that, it has been supporting by, supported by Aaron Jones, especially last year, Aaron Jones demolishing the league. Mm -hmm. But I think it's just more that, that comfort. It's all of the pre-snap uh, reads and motions that are going into it. And the thing that always stands out to me the most about the Green Bay Packers, and when you knew it was time for people to go, was years ago when we played the Panthers and it was like a goal line stand and Cam Newton was looking over the defense. It was like, Oh, I saw you guys were watching tape, huh? Yep. And then was able to like give it off to McCaffrey and score a touchdown. And like at that moment I was watching as a Packer fan, I'm like, yeah, everyone needs to go. <laughs> they just need to go. Yeah. And I don't think that you have that. I don't want to say it's not even experience. It's just like, you don't have that 
film to be like, oh, yeah. I know exactly what they're going to be doing. And listen, I will also say there's plenty of times that we do like if I there's games where we throw like, you know, four wide receiver screens a game and there's times where they just do not work. And I'm like, OK, can we stop? Can we stop throwing wide receiver mm-hmm. screens? But there's also times where it completely and totally works. But I think what Matt LaFleur has done really well, and he's adjusted this a lot from last year when LaFleur came in. And he had a, a game plan that wasn't going well. 49ers game, Chargers game, NFC Championship game. We kind of floundered, right? We, mm-hmm. we really were like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't, really, I don't know what's happening. You haven't really seen that this year. You saw it with the Buccaneers where we got off to a 10-0 lead and then you said we hit adversity and then it was, it was gone. Yeah. You saw that, you know, with the Colts in which like the first half game plan was amazing. We were crushing them. And then the second half, we just couldn't put it together. And the Vikings was just an ugly ass game altogether. So I think it's LaFleur also being more confident in his players in the also being a head coach because it's only his second year. And I think it's the players really saying, okay, like now we kind of know what we're doing. There wasn't a ton of uh, diversity in player personnel or new guys brought in, you know, you have an AJ Dillon, but Josiah DeGuerra, he got injured. You know, there, there a lot of these guys who are on offense, they, they've been on the team, right? They were there last year and now it's just getting more comfortable within that system. So I think that honestly, that's a huge, huge part of it of why they've been able to be so successful. Rogers is not as confused, I would say, because last yeah. year he flat out said he's like, I don't like so much. It's so complicated. It's a completely new language that I'm learning here because I was doing it under McCarthy for so long, <laughs> and you know this is just getting comfortable with it. Yep. You know, Tom, why did you have to bring up that clip? You know, the the most frustrating thing about that Panthers game where Matthew says that's a wheel route and Cam Newton points it out. You know, people. I don't understand this fascination with it. Like I literally saw a post a few months back that was like three years ago today, yeah. Cam Newton. Like, is this a pivotal moment in NFL history? I don't understand. That was. Uh, of course. Yeah. Very... I think, it, I, I think it just shows that like it was uninspiring. Like, yeah. listen, Dom Capers got a lot of crap and rightfully so <laughs> near like the end. And I think, you know, the Packers did this and, and, and they have a tendency to do this is that they just hung on to guys for too long. You know, like McCarthy, mm-hmm. I still think McCarthy's a good coach. I think he yeah. overstayed his welcome in Green Bay. And I, and I, 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 even though I don't think they handled it the right way, I don't think he should have gotten fired after the Cardinals game. Let him finish mm-hmm. out the last few games and, and call it a day. But I think that, because you were never going to make Joe Philbin the head coach. Yeah. I think in terms of just staying there so long, it was just like, it was, we saw the same old Packers always. And like, they were still competitive because of Aaron Rodgers, because of that offense. And now we're not just competitive because of Aaron Rodgers, even though he's playing amazing. There are other really good players on this squad that it's not just the Aaron Rodgers show anymore, even though, you know, he's, he definitely has a spotlight on him this year. Yeah. Let's end it off here with some, uh, a few predictions and uh, key matchups for the Chicago game. Big B I'll ask you first, what is your key matchup uh, for the Chicago bears Green Bay Packer game? All right. We are going with, the defensive line against Bears offensive line, because I feel like I say this every week, let's continue it. Um, you know, Packers D line got to stop the run game. Yep. Of course, we've been saying this all episode. Um, we got snacks in there now. Hopefully he mm-hmm. can play this week. So let's go. Yeah, let's take advantage of that Bears offense line. I just found out today that my uncle is best friends with Cody Whitehair. Uh, so that's good to know. But uh, Tom, what is your key matchup for this game? Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious one is uh, 
is going to be obviously left tackle. What the hell is going on there? You know, whether mm-hmm. it's going to be Billy Turner over there or Jenkins over there. Um, I don't think they put Wagner over there, but they could. Um, yeah. I think it's going to be kind of what they're going to do. LaFleur came out in his press conference this week and said that like, you know, they're willing to change it every single week. And I know some people were like, Ooh, that doesn't make me feel <laughs> so want yeah. this offensive line. But I also am looking at it if like, it depends on the matchup. Right. Mm-hmm. I think you, you, we've, again, we've shown that we can handle adversity and handle life without David Bakhtiari. Um, but I think it's also going to be, I, I'd really like to see, you know, big Bob Tunyon get really mm-hmm. involved again, not only because of his blocking Ackleman, but also he's been just a monster in the red zone. Um, and I think that we, we might have to rely on him a lot. You're going to obviously have a ton of people on Devonte Adams who will still get open, who will still do well. Yeah. Um, Jalen Johnson, who's one of the, the Bears' great corners, is 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 a pretty damn good player. I would assume he's going to be on him with some help from guys like Eddie Jackson. He's uh, but... Jalen Johnson is out for tomorrow. Oh yeah. Oh, he's out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, fantastic. Never mind. Then we're going to kill them. Yeah. No. <laughs> I did. I haven't had internet, so that's great. That's fantastic news. Good. Sorry. I like. I actually really like Jalen Johnson. I wanted the Packers to draft him, but yeah, mm-hmm. no, he's a really good player. So yeah, I'm I'm all about that. That's okay then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Rick Wagner versus Cleo Mack. Uh, let's hope we don't have Deshaun Kaiser or Deshaun Kaiser type performance from Cleo Mack. Um, final score predictions. I'm going to go with 38 Packers, 20 Bears. Uh, Big B, let's hear your prediction. Oh, man. Go, Grassi. I need to say. I was going to say 38 17, Pat. <laughs> I'll All go right. that too. 38-17, Either way, Packers are going to blow out the Bears. Uh, thanks, Tom, for joining us. Um, Big B, where can people find you on Twitter? Oh, this is new. <laughs> I don't even know. Um, at <laughs> Big Packers 4X, baby. Times. There we are. Bingo. Follow there, me. There we go. Thanks for joining us, Tom. Uh, we'll be back this Monday to recap the game and all uh, all four playoff games or all three playoff games. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Go Pack Go.